0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey, guys, Jeremy here with Simple Life. Hopefully, you're doing well, staying safe and sane. Um, as this, uh, <laughs> things just get weirder and crazier every single day, it seems, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to distract ourselves a little bit. This is going to be a rather short episode. I do not have a guest this week, but I do have a brand new tool that showed up yesterday and I'm super, super excited about it. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, simple is my handle there, or watch my YouTube channel, simple little life. Uh, you may already know about this new tool that I have, and it is a metal lathe. Now, I used to have a small metal lay that was one of those, I'd call them like a little hobby type metal lay, the kind that you could put on your workbench or uh, they were never sold with a base or a stand that they went on. You kind of had to do that yourself. And it was handy to have, but for a lot of the machining applications that I wanted to do, this thing was just too small and light. Now, the motor would often have power to turn the material, but the machine itself didn't have enough weight and girth. You think about it, when you're machining something, your cutter is, is kind of hitting and pushing against that material. That material's held uh, in with the chuck, and that chuck's connected to the spindle and the drivetrain and the motor. And if that whole thing altogether is not heavy, you get a lot of chatter. You don't get good cuts. You can limit your cuts and, and do real, real fine cuts, but it's still not nearly as good as those old lays that had some girth to them, some weight. Now, my dad recently is doing a renovation in his shop. He's lining the interior walls with tin, and he's got a 50-foot by 100-foot shop. It's uh, kind of sectioned off half and half, and they're doing the entire thing. And I say they because my two oldest boys are helping him. Uh, they pretty much got it all finished now, and they've been working with them for a few weeks, make some good summertime cash, and... They were coming around to the portion that had my dad's old lathe. And one of the reasons when I sold my lathe was that I knew my dad had this one sitting there. So if there's anything I needed to machine, I could just go to his place and use his lathe. And I've wanted this lathe for a long time. A long, long, long time. Probably 10 years ago, I, I told my wife, man, I wish my dad would... If he ever sells that lathe, I want to get my hands on it. Anyway, so they go and they're coming around the wall... They go move this lathe out of the way, take it outside. And then my dad just mentioned to the boys, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to take this to the scrap yard. <laughs> take it away for some scrap steel. Well, luckily, my boys heard this and they told me. And I was like, you kidding? He's like, yeah, he just wants to get rid of it. He wants it gone. And so I called him up and I said, is it true that you're going to get rid of that lathe? And he said, yeah, do you want it? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I do. Of course I want it. So, He actually brought it off. He brought it over yesterday in his gooseneck trailer and the Bobcat. We got it in the garage, but it's leaking oil from from the gearbox, so I need to kind of figure out where that's coming from, see if I need to make a new gasket. Uh, This lathe hasn't ran for probably about 10 years. I don't know the year of it. It could be like 50s, 60s. I don't think it's as new as the 70s, but it's called an Ensign slant bed metal lathe. Also sold under the name of Wilson slant bed metal lathe. I do believe it is made in the United Kingdom, which is good for a couple of reasons. Uh, High quality. A lot of those uh, British machine tools are the ones that you want. Um, And I've actually found a website that has a whole lot of manuals and information on this thing. And I was just kind of looking at it today. Essentially yesterday we unloaded it. It was Sunday. And today I was just kind of looking at it. I'm not going to get to it today. I don't think in the next few days I've got a couple knives I need to get out, but... There are so many different knobs and levers and dials, and I have no clue what any of them do. (laughs) Most of them are, are not labeled. So I think I might end up or uh, seeing if... Uh, I'm going to talk to this gentleman who has this website. I think it's like lathes.uk.co or something like that. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to take a look and see if he has any information manuals I could download from him. You have to pay for them, but I think it's definitely going to be well worth it. And then my plan is I'm going to... Uh, it's going to take several hours to degrease this thing. I need to go through and wipe the entire thing down. This thing is designed that you can use it with coolant. So it's got a, uh, like a pan basically under the whole Thing with some hose drains that come down. One of them is capped. One of them is not, and it's got about like a quarter inch layer, a thick layer of like oil mixed in with dust. Years and years of dust. So it is really kind of nasty right now. And um, another challenge with this lathe is going to be hooking up power to it. It is a three phase. I believe it's a three horsepower. Uh, it might just be a two. But my dad actually found this little box. And it's called the Phasomatic. <laughs> it's a little phase converter, so you can run uh, 220 three phase motors off of single, single phase 220. Um, short of doing that, I was considering possibly putting a VFD, much like I do for my belt grinders. Those ones take 110 volts, or you can do 220 uh, single phase, and it converts them to three phase. So I already have uh, actually three, three phase motors in my garage right now, uh, my two belt grinders and my disc grinder. So that's an option. Uh, it's relatively inexpensive, probably 800 to to $1,000 for the VFD. And I've, I'm very familiar with it. They're very easy to hook up. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, unknowns there. And then also would be kind of nice. I could hook up a dial uh, so that I can actually use a dial to change the speed of the, of the actual motor when it's running. But I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to go about that yet. I I don't know what I'm going to do. The big thing for me is get it all cleaned up, go through it all. It's actually in pretty good shape. It's got a lot of really interesting features. Uh, One that I mentioned, it's called a slant bed lathe. And so essentially, if you've ever seen a metal lathe, you've got the ways and they're kind of like little, they almost look like a little pyramid bars that kind of run lengthwise and that's what your the carriage, basically the thing that you're tooling on, slides up and down, as well as your tailstock, which is what would hold your live center, your dead center, or your you can put like a Jacobs chuck in there for drilling and boring applications. And so this one, instead of these two ways, these two little pyramid bars being level with each other, one is about 10 inches higher than the other one. And I'm not entirely sure why that's done, but my reasoning is that by putting those in at an angle, you get more distance between them. Therefore, you would have more leverage, right? You're kind of spreading it out. You have a little bit more rigidity Uh, rather than two things really close together. If you spread them out a bit, you have kind of like outriggers, right? They go out so you're a little bit more stable. I don't know for sure if that's what it is, uh, but that could make sense to me because then you can still get those two ways farther apart while maintaining a small footprint of the actual machine. So I'm really excited about that. My goal, I hope to have it up and running within about three weeks, hopefully. Uh, the other thing I have to do is I still haven't got my TIG welder set up, my cart. I've got to finish that up. And then I also bought a whole bunch of one-inch airline. It's like this kit. It's three-quarter-inch inside diameter. And I need to run airline throughout my shop. I'm sick and tired. I've got this little quarter-inch hose. And if you ever use power tools, air tools, you know that you know the diameter of the hose makes a huge difference in the speed of the machine, the recovery. Uh, like the hose that I use right now, if I'm, you know, changing the wheels on my car, I hit it with my impact gun, and the first three or four hits are really hard, and then it, and that's just because the air can't get through that line fast enough. So, increasing everything to three quarter inch, and then going with some heavier drops to that it should help things out a lot and then i'm going to do things like i'll actually hard pipe in my sandblast cabinet and again much more airflow i should get a lot better pressure out of my sandblast cabinet make it quicker and actually be able to do uh more effect on the metal i actually did an experiment and i took a half inch hose and i hooked it directly to my um my sandblast cabinet and i can actually remove grind lines from 120 grit so that is pretty cool if you ever want to do like satin finishing or something like that uh, if you get enough airflow you can actually just take those grind lines right out of there that should definitely save a lot of time in certain finishes of my knives Uh, that's uh, that's pretty much what's going on with me right now I just released a video on YouTube uh, making a micro knife I released that video Previously, about three or four years ago, it's actually, I think it's about a million views now, so it did fairly well. And that's kind of part of the problem. I've, I've talked about it before is that when I'm doing the orders that I have right now, these are all knives that I've made before. And most of them I've done a video about. And so it's kind of hard for me to, to squeeze some time to do a knife. I've actually got a whole bunch of knife designs that I'm itching to get out and try that I've never made before. But I can't do those until all of my orders are caught up. So what I'm going to do is just kind of film these knives, even though there's some that I have already done videos on. I can do a different style of a video and uh, do it like that. So if you want to check that out, that's uh, released on my channel recently. And I'll give you a little bit of backstory too with that one. I thought, how could I change this up? The first time I did that micro knife for the last-ditch necker, I'm not allowed to call it a last-ditch necker anymore because PayPal says that's too dangerous. Uh, As long as I change the name of something, it's fine to sell it. But as a last-ditch necker, not allowed. Same thing with my street scalpel model. I had to change that because they said it's too dangerous of a name. Very fitting for the times that we live in (laughs) right now. Everybody's scared of everything, real or not. And "Ah, You're standing too close to me. We're all going to die. Crazy times. Anyways. Um, so what I did with this video, this Last Ditch Necker video, is I filmed it with a 50 millimeter f1.8. So the Nifty Fifty, I filmed it on my Canon 70D, and I filmed it at 24 frames per second. The argument has long been that the 24 frames per second is a more cinematic look, because that's what movies were shot in. And it's interesting, when, when you do that frame rate for anything with action, you actually get a little bit of motion blur. I typically record in 60 frames a second. That kind of allows you to do a little bit smoother slow motion. You can play clips back at 50% speed and they they look a lot smoother. If I were to take uh, 24 frames per second and then play it at 50%, it's really choppy. You only have 12 images uh, as a video clip in each second. And so that's not an awful lot. You miss parts and it's blurry. It just doesn't look good. But I didn't want to do any slow motion on this build, so I thought, I'm just going to do this. And what I wanted to do with that video is kind of make it a little bit more cinematic. I hooked up my microphone. I cranked up the gain on my shotgun mic so I can really hone into those noises. Uh, I've had a few comments that's ASMR, knife making, and that's kind of what I was going for. I just wanted it to be something you could watch and you can hear the sounds, you can hear what's going on. And then with that super shallow depth of field, I can control what you watch in the video. Right. Like there's only a small, small portion of the screen that's actually in focus. And it's really kind of interesting for some of the grinding shots. um, You know, you can see the bevel being ground or um, cleaning up the spine of the knife. You can see one area. But if I move the knife an inch away, uh, it's blurry. And so it's kind of fun to do like that. Uh, Interesting to see what the feedback is so far. It's been very good. And then I also put a voiceover version of that on my Patreon, which has been fairly well received as well. And I think that's kind of the way I'm going now. You know, you get it's, it's kind of hard because these videos take a long time and there's a certain sense where, you know, YouTube for a knife making channel, they, they don't pay you enough for your time. They, they really don't. And so I always thought, you know what, doing these fast forward like silent films, just fast forward the footage on YouTube, they're fairly easy to edit. And then taking the time to go back and do voiceover, it's a lot more work. But at the same time, I think those, for some people, have a lot more value because I'll explain very clearly uh, why I'm doing things, you know, the way that I've got to this part of the process. Or maybe I'm doing it this way in this one, but I want to try this in the next one. So it, it, I think for a learning experience, the Patreon is much better, and that's why I have those there. Um, you know the Patreon is wonderful. I appreciate all my Patreon supporters, and you know if you'd like to support my YouTube, even this podcast. Ultimately, the content creation that I'm doing, you know, it takes time, and if you can make some money at it, and if, if it's value to people, great. And so that's what I do really appreciate to about the Patreon is that there's some people that say, you know what, it's worth it to me uh, to pay the two dollars a month as my entry tier. I think you can do one dollar a month. But you get the backstory. You get some extra footage. I have a lot of tips and tricks on my Patreon as well. But anyways, this sounding like a Patreon plug. I didn't mean for that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Working on a bunch more knives this week. And then um, probably in the evenings, I'll, I'll put around on this lathe, get it hooked up. But I'm so excited about it. One thing I really want to do with this lathe is that it came with a four-jaw chuck. And if you don't know what that is, typically lathes, they have three-jaw chucks. That's the most commonly used one. And it's kind of like a, a Jacob's chuck on a drill press. You know, you, you put the key in into one of those little holes and you turn it and all four, or sorry, all three of those jaws kind of move together. There's like this synchronized gear. With a four jaw chuck, every jaw is independent. And that's kind of handy if you ever wanted to bore like an off-centered hole or you can clamp a square piece of stock and machine it round and you can kind of center whatever you're working on with, uh, use like a dial indicator and you can move each jaw independently. So what I would like to do with this thing is once I get everything all cleaned up and it's running right, I'm going to take the blocks that I use for my wah handles and I'll be able to kind of set them in there, center them. And so even though, you know, I typically start out with a block that's about one inch wide, uh, maybe five or six inches long. And then the other height, the tallness, I guess you could say would be about an inch and a quarter. Well, I can set that up so that even though it's not a perfectly square piece of material I'm putting in there, with the fork jaw chuck, I can center it so that when I bore the hole in there, it's dead center in that block. And what I should be able to do is I'll be able to mark out two of the jaws uh, that are 90 degrees to each other. And I'll put a paint mark on those. So those will be the only ones. Oh, I just bumped my mic. Sorry. <laughs> those will be the, the only ones that I actually touch uh, when I loosen off to swap out the pieces. And that way, everything will be referenced from the other two jaws if that makes sense so I should be able to take a whole bunch of blocks as long as I cut them the same like in my table saw I'll be able to take one out put the other one in tighten tighten and everything will be centered again and it should allow me to very accurately bore out these these blocks for wall handles very very quickly and it's not even a speed thing I've ruined a few good blocks because something went off on my vice like I don't have a really rigid setup on the vice that I use in my drill press And it's such a shame when you you go ahead and drill it and then you test fit it with a blade and in the tang and the dowel and then it's totally crooked like it comes out of the handle, (laughs) you know, it takes a hard left and sometimes you you kind of go with it and see if you can bring it back. But then often there's it's too far out. You can't actually grind that handle to be in line with the blade. So hopefully, if I can get this lathe set up for that, I shouldn't ever have that problem again. Everything will be straight and true. And it just gives you way more options as to, you know, sometimes, okay, I'd I'd rather take this part of the the handle down or kind of bring everything concentrically. Um, It should just be much more repeatable and much less waste, especially when you're using like stabilized blocks. I mean, those things aren't cheap. And I've ruined a couple of those. You put the blade in there, it's crooked oh it's a heartbreaker so anyways i'm really excited about that cranking on some knives and then trying to get more video content out there i know it's been quite some time I had a lot of comments and so just out another trying to share what i can what i'm working on and like i said often they're knife videos that i have made before but i'm trying to film them in a different way um, kind of add something different always trying to share what i know and learn Well, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you all stay safe, be kind to each other, be peaceful to each other. Remember, we are all entitled our own opinions. And I think one of the most important things we can do as a society right now is respect different ideas and opinions. We all don't think the same. We all don't have to think the same. We just need to make sure that what we do isn't uh, adversely affecting the lives of other people. Have a wonderful week. Uh, Check out lots of the other great shows on the Makery Network. Excellent stuff coming out here. Hours and hours of wonderful entertainment. Definitely do yourself a favor. Check out the other shows. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.